Good afternoon and welcome to Insert Sound. This will be the final episode of Season 2, so a clean-up is in order after this party of sound. Season 1 of Insert Sound consisted of 8 episodes, but Season 2 had 14. Both had a bunch of leftover stuff, folders with recordings that I never used for an episode. But before we begin Season 3... I am going to empty out the garage and those old and overlooked sound file boxes will have their brief moment in the sun. Okay, so what have we got here? Moving backward from the present time, which is March 21st, 2021, it's pretty clear that there is not that much unused stuff in my Season 2 folder. There's a folder from December 21st, 2020, which is Winter Solstice, I went out on a mission to record randomly, starting at the parking lot by the ocean just down from my house. Insert sound. It was a big old car, perhaps a Mercedes. Driver unseen, but he, I simply assumed the man involved in organized crime, saw me in the headlights, pointing a furry windshield directly at him. He drove away slowly, perhaps with racing thoughts of who, why, and what in his mind. I went down to the ocean, which here is a large inlet bay called Faxaflowe. I did two or three recordings by the sea at night, but... I chose this one, recorded from the cliff, pointing down to the bouldery shoreline below, partly sheltered from the traffic behind. It was a cold night, the shortest day of the year, and the lights on a boat out in the water caught my eye. It seemed to be very still, very big, and very full of lights. I could hear the distant engine hum, and I suddenly felt like I was in a more maritime country like Turkey where traffic is heavy through the Bosphorus Strait I imagined the ship was drilling for oil or that there was some large scale operation underway and I wondered what it would feel like seeing that reality in daylight From there, I headed downtown to the corner of Kverviskata and Frakastur, where a man whistled three days before Christmas. From there, I walked up the road, stopping in the kiosk, the Rekin, or Dragon, before heading up to the church, Hallgrinskirkja, five seconds too late, as the bells began chiming as I walked across the street.
let's move quick through these piles of leftover recordings, shall we? I walked downtown and recorded outside a closed bar, as was the case with all bars at that time. A few people walked up and down the shopping street Lögavur, but mostly it was quiet until I walked past the next building and the next bar and heard the hissing. The sound could have been from a wireless network, though it seemed unusually strong in terms of interference. I was actually happy to have found this distortion field for two reasons. One, it reminded me of the possible problem of such interference in recordings and the need to either scout the location, if for work, or be able to access such networks and just simply switch them off, which means you need some time to react. Second reason was the symbolic significance of this disturbing distortion in sound at a historical time when COVID-19 seems like a massive fucking distortion field that can't be turned off, always present in some form, disturbing, distorting life, work, love, hate, and even Christmas 2020. Well, that's enough of that folder. December 21st, 2020 goes back in the box. Next up are some rare recordings from when air travel was not a big deal. In this case, it was a flight from London Heathrow to Keplerik International in March 2020, where I recorded the floor and toilet with a Rode NT4 and an AKG C451. I'm going to play the recordings randomly and without specifying which is which, but rather as an audio test. NT4 is a stereo mic, the AKG is not. That's all for info. Insert sound. Let's continue flying, but this time from the ground. In April of 2020, I was out east by the volcano Hekla, helping my uncle with his summer house. He is a captain of airplanes, having flown for over 20 years now, and so, when it came to buying a summer house, the choice seemed obvious. The area is historically a place where pilots have built or bought summer houses, and so there is a landing strip nearby. In the summertime, the large hangar is full of small planes, and on the spring afternoon, before the trees had begun sprouting and the wind was still cold, a plane took off, circled, 
and flew low overhead. Days earlier, we'd been shoveling snow from the foundation of the house, which, of course, I felt was a valid reason for recording. The recording was done with the Rode NT4 stereo mic on a windless day in April. The foundation of the house is sat in a lava field, a reminder that the active volcano Hakla is very much nearby. The thought that came to my mind while recording my 90-year-old grandfather shoveling, yes, I know, but he would never accept not to shovel, was morbid, to say the least. While recording, the sounds made me think of shovels and pickaxes, wielded by men of all ages under the cruel reign of Stalin, who sent millions to the Gulag, an infamous name referring to concentration camps mostly in Siberia, political prisoners and anyone deemed unfit for the model society of the Russian Revolution, slaved at building roads and other infrastructure in harsh conditions in every sense of the word. The camps were operated from the 1920s until around 1953, at the end of Stalin's rule, which by then was responsible for the imprisonment of up to 18 million individuals. The Gulag boosted national industrialization and became a dumping ground, literally, from Stalin's Great Purge, an event which bears some traits of Mao's cultural revolution. I thought of all the men that died from exhaustion, hunger, and literally from work, like the hundreds of thousands who died during the construction of the Kolyma Highway. My grandfather had insights into the Soviet Union through his work in geothermal energy as he traveled far and wide in Russia as an engineer on joint collaborative projects built on Icelandic expertise in the 80s and 90s. But on that April afternoon, the shoveling was as far from the reality of the Gulag as I could imagine. On a trip I did that same month, April of 2020, I went to the waterfall Skoa Foss, located next to my great aunt's farm, to record the soundscape which, in normal times, would include dozens or hundreds of tourists. The roar of the water represents Iceland's history of hydroelectric power, at a time when most big rivers were considered for electrical production in the early 20th century. This waterfall, of course, was no exception, with plans to dam the river upstream, but today its status as a natural splendor and a tourist attraction keeps the water flowing unhindered and, in terms of electricity, unused. We begin downstream at the river and move closer to the 60-meter-tall waterfall Skoafoss.
I drove down to the beach, Skoa Fjara, where the river flows into the Atlantic Ocean, which has been hitting the black sand coastline made up of volcanic ash since time immemorial. battle goes like this. Ocean waves eat into the sand, eroding the coastline. Volcanic eruptions underneath glaciers on the south coast send millions of cubic kilometers of volcanic ash, black sand, into the air and down rivers, which then adds to the coastline of Iceland. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. The next box of recordings, in this case folders on my hard drive, contains the sound of the glacier river Jökulsá á Sólumasandi. I could say a lot about it, historically and personally. I could go into the history of the river, known as Smelly Creek, due to common smells of sulfur and how deadly it was for those crossing on horses in earlier centuries. Or I could relate to my own history of hiking up the west side of the river on my way to collect memory cards, replace memory cards, from a time-lapse camera operated by James Baylock, part of his, part of our project, Extreme Ice Survey, which I've been a part of since 2007. Time flies. Solitary walks in all seasons often made me worry of possible problems with the three cameras located there. One on a mountaintop and two in a canyon. I never felt perfectly comfortable at the idea of not being able to fix something like the electronics or at the thought of having made a mistake on an earlier trip. But I trudged on, step after step, year after year, and did my task to the best of my abilities. Sometimes I managed, sometimes not. But overall, I think I did pretty damn good. In the last years, I learned to relax a bit more enjoying the walk finally and reminding myself that no one's life was at risk directly though the message of fast retreating glaciers as part of climate change did have an urgency to it but on this particular day I was not going to the cameras I drove down to the river and set up the road and T4 at the edge of a wind swept hill five feet high where the sheep like to lay in the heat Lie in the heat. This idea was conceptual recording and hearing what the sheep hears as they lay there in the sun or sheltering from wind chewing on whatever grass they have at their disposal at the edge of the river. 
The next recording is from a sailing trip I did with my friend and sound recordist Arne Ben, just off the coast of Reykjavik. Now Arne has become a sailboat fanatic, part of the reason for him moving to Mexico and restoring an old sailboat. But on that day, we sailed his smaller boat, Kriya, or the Arctic Turn. It was perfect sailing weather, early May, and the sun warmed our faces, though the breeze was still cold. We saw whales off in the distance as we sailed around the island Enke, where we slowed down with the aim of listening to the world beneath us. We dropped his hydrophone down into the water and listened. We were missing a proper weight for the hydrophone, and the boat did keep moving, so that influenced the sound quality, but... If you listen carefully, you can hear the calls of dolphins. Though the recording had a lot of flaws, I was fascinated by the hydrophone and its possibilities, so I bought one, which did get lost in the UK Royal Mail. Sorry, it's COVID situation for about six months. It finally arrived today at the writing of this script. So watch out for future episodes of Underwater Recordings. How long is this episode by now? All right, actually, I don't care. This is spring cleaning. As important as spring break, but without the drunkenness and sex. I simply have to get through these folders and use a fraction of the recording so that all those hours that I spent don't feel like they were in vain. All right, onwards. Like these two hours spent driving out of town, recording stereo ambience of a forest with the NT4 and then taping an RE50 to my bike which I then rode downhill with bad brakes. The idea here, or the question, was whether it would work to record static ambience in the forest and just overlay the recordings of me biking, creating the illusion of moving. I think lowering uh, the stereo ambience, uh, the level, would help to emphasize the movement of the bike, but I would actually love to try and mount two small condenser mics on a helmet with good fur on them and a contact mic on the bike frame. So let's just make a mental note of that, shall we? But onwards! This thing can't go on at the expense of other high-quality entertainment. There's the Bachelor, reruns of The Office, and a webcam in Iceland showing a volcanic eruption in real time. So let's speed things up and move on to a slow-moving escalator in King's 
place London Intertown. I had come to King's Place to check out a sound installation by the famed field recordist Chris Watson. Noted for his work on major nature documentaries as well as doing all sorts of personal projects and sound courses, one in Iceland. So I arrived but found out that it was not a constantly playing piece. And so I entertained myself recording the sound of the escalator up and down with an incredibly high ceiling above the acoustics making the sound of people chatting in the cafe fill the space this was moments before covid took europe down its own escalator without having reached the bottom i sometimes wonder if the escalator up will still be working at the bottom of this escalator i headed for the restrooms which became my recording room, a substitute for some faraway exciting landscape. No, that's not where I'm going with this, public toilets and all. No, I was alone, with a Mixpre 6 recorder and Rode NT4 stereo mic, making the urinals flush, like boomy waterfalls in the high Ecuadorian rainforest. Okay, not quite, but I'm sure I could EQ the shit out of it, no pun intended, and make it sound like an actual waterfall, or river, instead of a urinal in a public toilet in London. And, until the world opens up to travel, who knows where your sounds are coming from. I think I've opened enough boxes of sound left over from the last two seasons on Insert Sound. I really want to get some ice cream and watch my new favorite TV show called Bir Baskadir, but on Netflix it's called Ethos. So, let us end this last episode of season two, before we say goodbyes, by visiting the home of the president of Iceland, Mr. Guðni Tjeho Johannesson and his wife, the first lady, Ezra Reed. I was formally invited, as was the rest of the nation, as hundreds of visitors came running out of the rain on February of 2019. The occasion was the Museum Night in Reykjavik, a kind of cultural white night, and at the presidential residency, our various works of art and archaeological artifacts in the basement, as the building and its site, you know, the whole thing, has a long history. Now, I have three observations to end this on, and they are all positive. First, the fact that here in Iceland, it's normal to let hundreds of people roam around the corridors and living rooms of the president's house, albeit part of the more formal part of the building, with only a handful of staff walking around. The level of trust and honesty of people, as there's been no incident that I'm aware of, of anything being taken. Second, the fact that I could call up the president's office on the same day 
explain my random idea of this podcast I have all about sound recording and thoughts and ideas and simply be allowed to set up my recording gear wherever I saw fit. Thank you. And third, the fact that the president of Iceland, when he greeted me, like all the other visitors, said something that has sat with me ever since, which was that the only place where he has ever experienced pure silence was on top of the volcano Uravjökull, inside the caldera. He had hiked it recently and was obviously impressed by the experience. I have made myself the promise that one day I will hike to the top of that volcano, go into the caldera, and record that silence for you, the listeners of Insert Sound, and the president of Iceland, with a pair of MKH 8040s in an ORTF recording configuration on a mic stand with a fur cover. And with that, I wrap up season two of Insert Sound and thank everyone that ever listened, anyone that ever will listen, everyone that helped by allowing me to record, out in the bin, of course, for support and loan of equipment when needed, Busby for the wacky times spent out recording, and that's it for now. I do hope you will check out season three of Insured Sound. Till then, goodbye. <laughs>